Past midday they turned their horses to the west, where the hills began a long slope downward into the Avron Valley. At the last ridge, Kor hopped from Taran's shoulder and flapped aloft, croaking with excitement. Taran urged Melanlas over the rise. Below, the great river swung into view, wider here than he had ever seen it. Sunlight flecked the water in the sheltered curve of the harbour. A long, slender craft bobbed at the shore. Taran could make out figures aboard, hauling on ropes to raise a square white sail. Ilanwi and Gurgi had also ridden forward. Taran's heart leapt. And to all the companions, the sight of the harbour and the waiting vessel was like a sea wind driving sorrow before it. Ilanwi began chattering gaily, and Gurgi waved his arms so wildly he nearly tumbled from the saddle. Yes, oh yes, he cried. Bold, valiant Gurgi is glad to follow kindly master and noble princess with boatings and floatings. They cantered down the slope and dismounted at the water's edge. Seeing them, the sailors ran a plank out from the vessel to the shore. No sooner had they done so than a young man clambered onto the plank and hastened with eager strides toward the companions. But he had taken only a few paces along the swaying board when he lost his footing, stumbled, and with a loud splash, pitched headlong into the shallows. Taran and Carl ran to help him, but the young man had already picked himself up and was awkwardly sloshing his way ashore. He was of Taran's age, with a moon-round face, pale blue eyes, and straw-coloured hair. He wore a sword and a small, richly ornamented dagger in a belt of silver links. His cloak and jacket, worked with threads of gold and silver, were now sopping wet. The stranger, however, appeared not the least dismayed either by his ducking or the sodden state of his garments. Instead, he grinned as cheerfully as if nothing whatever had befallen him. Hello, hello, he called, waving a dripping hand. Is that Princess Ilanmi, I see? Of course, it must be. Without further ado, and without stopping even to wring out his cloak, he bowed so low that Taran feared the young man would lose his balance. Then he straightened up and in a solemn voice declared, On behalf of Rudlam, son of Rude, and Teleria, daughter of Tanwen, king and queen of the Isle of Mona, greetings to the Princess Ilanmi of the royal house of Lear, and to, well, to all the rest of you, he added blinking rapidly as a thought suddenly occurred to him. I should have asked your names before I started. Taran, taken aback and not a little vexed by this scatterbrained behaviour, stepped forward and presented the companions. Before he could ask the stranger's name, the young man interrupted. Splendid! You must all introduce yourselves again later, one at a time. Otherwise, I might forget— Oh, I see the shipmaster's waving at us. Something to do with tides, no doubt. He's always very concerned with them. This is the first time I've commanded a voyage, he went on proudly. Amazing how easy it is. All you need to do is tell the sailors. But who are you? Taran asked, puzzled. The young man blinked at him. Did I forget to mention that? I'm Prince Rune. Prince Rune? Taran repeated in a tone of disbelief. "'Quite so,' answered Rune, smiling pleasantly. "'King Rudlam's my father, and, of course, Queen Teleria's my mother. Shall we go aboard? I should hate to upset the shipmaster, for he does worry about those tides.' Carl embraced Alanwi. 
When we see you again, he told her, I doubt we shall recognize you. You shall be a fine princess. I want to be recognized, Alanwi cried. I want to be me. Never fear, said Carl, winking. He turned to Taran. And you, my boy, farewell. When you return, send Kor ahead to tell me and I shall meet you at the Avaran Harbour. Prince Rune, offering his arm to Ilanwi, led her across the plank. Gurgi and Taran followed them. Having formed his own opinion of Rune's agility, Taran kept a wary eye on the prince until Ilanwi was safe aboard.